This is The Rabbit Hole with Gary Lyon and Tim Watson for tyre power. Their buying power puts the power in your lane. Follow us on Twitter at Rabbit Hole SEN. Uh, good morning. Oh, hello. <laughs> that, That's that, a good start. Well, not necessarily good morning because people can download our uh, Rabbit Hole podcast whenever, at any time of the day. It just happens to be morning at the moment. You can find us uh, um, on Twitter at Rabbit Hole SEN. We're here thanks to Tire Power. Winter safety sale is on now. Gee, I tell you what, there's nothing more important. I say this every week. Nothing more important than getting your tyres right because there's been some very slippery conditions out there. 25% off equivalent with four for three on selected Falcon tyres. G'day, Whispers. Whispers, Tim Watson. Good morning, Gary. Uh, yes, uh, nothing more important than getting your tyres right. Well, the so air pressure. Well, I'm backing over that and agreeing with you. Right. There is no, <laughs> you're not going to be in one of these meetings. Well, come on, man. <laughs> what do you mean, come, come on, man? Come up with something different for tyre power. Well, no, no, I'm just backing over what you're saying and saying how important it is to make sure you get your tyres regularly checked. That's right. And what PSI do you run with? Whatever it says on the side of the tyre. And what do they say? 43. Right. No, that's too high. You shouldn't <laughs> be at a 43. You're, way, you, you're overinflated. This is a man that reckons there's a five kilogram lobster out there for there is. people to get. And there's bigger lobster it's than a, that too. That's bigger than you. It generally was a 32 PSI because when I used to work at the service, yeah, 30, uh, uh, well, yeah. at the station at the um, yeah. service station in Dimbula, mm. well, we I'd, always used to pump them up to about a 32. I defer to you because you were a... Service station attendant of some note. Many years. Back when you were six or seven. Hey, I've got lots of stuff we want to talk about today. Lots of little rabbit holes we want to wander down. We're going to put the line under and through our chat about the 1990 grand final. The revelations that have emerged <laughs> since we just talked about that off the cuff. <laughs> it started with Tim not really understanding that he was the captain of the Essendon team. He had forgotten about that. <laughs> A massive blue started. It turns out that Tim's whilst the whole fight was on, was at the huddle drinking cordial. <laughs> then Graham Allen joined us to tell us how he punched Kevin Sheedy or swung one at Sheeds and his false teeth flew out of his head and he stood on him and buried him in the mud. Then Eddie Hillgrove came on last week and he was the team manager of Collingwood and was absolutely superb and, and told us how he got suspended for 16 months because he clocked about five of them. That's right. He was body slammed by Johnny Sinan, who was our doorman oh. at Essendon as well. You know, I had this, uh, because you do that great little show called The Couch on a Monday night, and I was walking after our podcast last week after we'd been talking about it, and I thought, imagine if that happened today. We're in a big game like we were back in 1990. The captain sat down and had a glass of cordial at three <laughs> at quarter time, and you had vision of it. And Thank how you, forensically man. would you examine? I would that? have labbed that up. <laughs> I would have gone to town on a lab. <laughs> Can I you imagine have, what you would have done? You. <laughs> I would have blown you up while everyone else is fighting for their life. You would have had a timer just ticking <laughs> away there. There it is. He's, and, he's onto his third glass of cordial. Ding, another cup. Ding, another cup. <laughs> ding, another cup. In fact, we there's a promo on the couch on Monday night for this weekend's game, Collingwood and Carlton. And part of the promo was a fight. Like we'd just been debating I saw that, yeah. about Willie Rioli. Well, they were talking about, yeah. was it a thump or a punch or a cuff or a clip or whatever? It was open hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then up came Dennis Banks knocking out, <laughs> knocking out David Reese jones I said, listen, can you play that again for us out of the break so we can just show people what a real whack is? What it, those days. what it was like back in the those day. Those days, Tim. Mm. Those days. We're Thank goodness we've moved on. Celebrating violence. But anyway, Mark Harvey's going to come on and celebrate violence and just have a bit of a chat about it. I want to talk to you about something I did. I did it on a whim. Mm. I did this on a whim on Monday. Nikki's away, as you know. So I'm just on my own. And I started looking at linen, bed linen. Just on your own whimming. What? You're whimming at home. What do you mean whimming? Well, you're on a whim. You're just whimming. Yeah, I don't know why you're I You're whimming away the day. It must have come up on an ad on something on the side I was on. There was a bed linen ad. Right. So then I started and I saw a nice doona cover. So I went down the linen rabbit hole. Right. And I bought a doona cover and a sheet. Online? Yeah. What type? Don't know. Is it a cotton or well, flannel? My question to you is this. Because I don't buy linen. I am a linen specialist. Well, I forgot. How much should that cost me? A doona and a sheet. Well, that depends. Linen, it's linen linen. It's, is it it's be- linen. Is it Belgian linen? It's linen. Right. What do you mean? Well, there's different types of linen. Well, 
How much should it cost? That's what I want to know. I do. Kn- if it's a really I push go on it, and then I I well, sent the order through, and then I thought, I think I think I've been got. If you is it the sheet set or is it a separate doona and a sheet? Doona and king king doona king sheet. Right. Does it come also with pillowcases? Don't know. Well, it I would say. So. It would say. I hope so because then it would be if it's a really high quality linen. Mm-hmm. And you have come to the right place here, yes. as you know. If it's a really high quality linen, you might be paying up around three fifty, four hundred, five hundred, around five. Well, it must be. It should be. It maybe it won't be, but it should oh. be a very high quality. Well, what what I, color has it got? Has it got little F one cars on it, or is it just a color, a block color? I've got a picture of it here. Right. I'll tell you exactly what it is, because now I'm thinking I've been had. I'm looking at you. I think you've gone for, without knowing, I reckon you might have gone for a green, I've gone a sage greeny. Sage French flax linen quilt cover set. Beautiful. Is that right? Yeah, no, that Is sounds that about good. right? That sounds good. But well, I reckon had you come to me first, yeah. I would have been able to put you in touch with my old mate Harry from well, Izzy and Popo. Why do you like linen? Uh, because there's nothing more you beautiful. You shut up about it. There's linen. nothing more beautiful to sleep under than linen. It's a beautiful. If you hop into bed, about three lines. There. <laughs> I know. Three, I threw them out to you. <laughs> it's about three I can go with. I threw them I out won't to go you with any and don't go with any. Right. Okay. Um, and it is. It's just beautiful to hop into a freshly made bed with nice linen. How often do you change your linen? Once a week. Once a week. Once a week. Yeah. How often do you change? I don't change it. Nikki does. <laughs> yeah, but how often does Nikki? Well, change I don't know because we've got like three white. Duna covers. Well, they wouldn't be white if they're on the bed for very long. No, no, she changes them regularly. Regularly, but, but I, I wanted a different colour. So, you went for the sage. Yes. Have they arrived yet or not? No, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for the delivery man to come. Did you so get? Do I have to when I, when they get delivered? Do I put them straight on or do I have to wash them? Mm, I would wash them. Yeah, and wash them. I won't be washing because they'll have a little bit of a scent about them. I won't be washing them, Wisp. Well, come to me next time you want to buy something. Why? What, what can you do for me? Well, I can do What you, do you get? I can do you a much better deal than that. That's Why? all I need to tell you. What sort of stuff are you talking? I'm talking about beautiful Belgian linen is that Harry's better? still got in his little his, his warehouse. Is Belgian better than French linen? Well, depends. They're different factories. And linen can be scratchy. Yeah, but if you get good linen, I like it'd, be flannel. Ni- it'd be nice and soft. I like a flannel sheet. I like a fleece flannel. Yeah. That's nice the for the winter time, yeah. 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 And I've got some of those as well. But... What you got a warehouse full of sheets, have you? I'll show you my cupboard one day. It's a cu- I got, I bought, so I had sort of a little bit of a fetish for bed linen, and I've got boxes of it still unpacked. Is Harry in the cupboard? Where did Harry? Is this how you get it off? Yeah, Harry. Yeah. Is he still got stock? Yeah, I've told you that. Will he? Can I access any Harry's stock? You have to come through me. <laughs> I can't give you Harry's direct. Why number not? Because you do this to my contacts. <laughs> I give you a contact. I go then back. It's like my seafood contact. I go to get my seafood, and I don't get the deal I used to get because <laughs> you, well, that, you've been knocking on the door. Funny you say that. Why is that? I went and saw Ian the other day. Oh, the tire man. Yeah. Yes. And didn't call. I didn't knock as many numbers off as he normally does. I said, "Oh, I said, a bit light on there, is there? He said, "Oh, I had to look after Wisp the other day as well." Ian and I get on particularly well. I give him a lot of time. That's why <laughs> no, you, you don't give him as much time no, as you I don't. do. Don't I've been going to Ian since you're in nappies? It's not about the. It's not about the number of times you visit. It's about the times you're there and you stand around, and you have a chat, and right. talk, and all okay. that sort of stuff. Have you sent Joby Obi One Kenobi to Ian? No, I haven't. You sent Susie to Ian. No, I don't no, need to. No, I I've don't. I've seen everyone. All my kids no, have but been I take, through. I take Susie's car to Ian. No, I've been through. Everyone's gone through Ian for me. Hawthorne, no. Tai Power, Burwood Road. How close are you to Ian? What? I would say very close. Okay. Was he at your 50th birthday? I didn't know him then. Will he be at your 60th? You now know him? In fact, I'm not having one. I'm just Ian and I are going out for a countery down the road. Right. To the Elgin Inn for a Palmer. <laughs> Why do you say that? Because I know he wasn't at yours. No, he wasn't. He anyway, wasn't. bed linen. Um, I'm going to go to you. You're listening to The Rabbit Hole for tyre power. Get your free five-minute tyre safety check.
Uh, hopefully you've been hopefully you've been listening for the last three weeks because we just started talking about the 1990 grand final down at Rabbit Hole, not particularly for any reason. And then I unraveled the fact that when the fight started at quarter time, the massive blue, I said to the uh, Wisp, I said, where were you in, in all of this? And you said, well, I was over the other side of the ground, so, you know, I didn't want to run over and make a hero myself, so I just went to the huddle. After we've spoken to Graham Allen and Eddie Hillgroves, it's worked out that you were sitting on your backside drinking cups of cordial. Yeah, I was pretty tired uh, at quarter time, and I needed a glass of cordial, and then I had one that was really nice. It was one of the better mixes that Betsy, our property steward, ever come up with, actually. Someone at the Generally, it was a bit light on with the syrup, but on this particular day, it must have been because of the grand final, it was heavy-handed with Someone the Someone had to fly the flag, and it wasn't you, and I'm thinking, who can I get, who can I get just to put a line through this? And Mark Harvey, whether ever there was a blue, Mark mm. Harvey wasn't far away from it, so I'll get the answer from him. Harves, good morning. Welcome. Oh, good morning. I'm glad you got me on to tell the truth. Um, uh, yeah. What do you What do you remember? What, what do you remember just, about that fateful day? Well, apparently, just just before quarter time, I'd been taken off the ground. I hadn't had a kick. Uh, Shane Moore, Shane Morwood was tagging me. I was on the bench. You You uh, come to the bench not too long after, uh, about two or three minutes before quarter time. The fight uh, erupted on the other side of the ground. Me and you were sitting on the interchange bench. <laughs> And in those days, the interchange benches were right next to each other, uh, Collingwood and Essendon. And yep. behind that was the coach's box. Yep. Uh, so that was the situation. The fight happened. Uh, we all know what transpired there. We proceed to walk on to, to go to the quarter-time huddle, myself and Tim. <laughs> and right in front of me, Gubby Allen, uh, the football team manager who was dressed in a suit, uh, a nice attire. <laughs> Thought that anything, you could see Gavin Brown coming across from the other side who'd been knocked over by Terry Danaher, obviously. And uh, Gabby thought, well, um, one for one. And he turned around and he looked. The closest Essendon official was our runner, Peter Powell. Yes. And he turned around and whacked Peter Powell right in front of myself and Tim. Oh, Tim, the eyes would have been rolling. Did he, did he sneak? Oh, well, did Tim, he, Tim's, <laughs> Tim was furious. His eyes were rolling. <laughs> he was a great fighter. I don't know if you know, Gary, but he lost his two front teeth early on. Um, yes. Uh, so that just proves how good a fighter he was. <laughs> anyway, so my first reaction was, well, uh, bang on, just um, in straight in a Gubby Allen started throwing punches. <laughs> Naturally. Uh, I looked around to see where Tim was. He'd gone back to the interchange bench and was sucking on the Gatorade. <laughs> he didn't want any part of the fight. <laughs> he didn't want any part of the fight. Oh, well, no. I used to get cramp in those days, Gary. He had those big cars. Oh, so I, no. I, yeah. That was his excuse anyhow, but he didn't want any part of the fight. Anyway, as I was jostling and fighting with Gubby Allen. How many are fighting sure at this enough, stage? Just the one? No, well, a couple of trainers were hanging around. They were yelling and screaming. And, but a bit of help did come from behind, a bloke with a bomber jacket. And it was a big haymaker that came over the top of us. And, of course, that was the coach, Kevin Sheedy. It was he's trying to deliver the big haymaker over the top. But, but he completely missed us and he hit the deck, the old bloke. And he just proceeded to walk to the quarter time medal as if nothing happened. Nothing happened. Unbelievable. And that's where Eddie Hillgrove, who was the Collingwood trainer, and John Thine, they finished up. I left Gabby there. They jumped on top. Well, John Simon jumped on top of Gabby and just squashed him. Uh, he's about 20 stone. Um, he subsequently got two years, unfortunately, for that. We spoke to him last can remember, week. I can remember Bernie Quillen. I can remember Bernie Quillen. He was the bounty rider in those days. Yep. And he was talking to Lou Richards and Peter Landy. And I can still hear him saying, well, you wouldn't believe it, Lou, Peter. Uh, there's a blue happening here. It's not just the Gavin Brown scenario. There's one on the interchange bench as well. And... Gabby Allen's hit the Essendon runner, Peter Powell, and Mark Harvey's involved, Kevin Shooty's involved, and uh, Tim Watson's gone to the bench. <laughs> oh, no. So this is what's unravelled here, is that every single person, not only the ones who were involved in the blue on the ground, anyone that was remotely close to the interchange bench all went in and flew the flag, and you, yeah. you, Captain Courageous, was mm. drinking cordial. Yeah, it's not my proudest moment. <laughs> <laughs> no, hey, well, uh, hang on. We need to we need to backtrack one moment there because Gabby Allen said that uh, Sheeds' false teeth came flying out as well 
as part of that. No, that's a, yeah. Well, after you, when he went over the top of us, he hit the deck, and his false teeth did fall out. I can remember seeing him. <laughs> but the old bloke, he's quick. He's wily. He quickly just put him straight back into his mouth and proceeded to walk to the court of time huddle. But he put him, he put him in back the front because we couldn't understand yeah, yeah. a word he said a quarter time. <laughs> Correct. We couldn't understand a word he what he what he said, and that was the reason he lost the nineteen ninety grand final. As you know. Did you get? Um, so you whacked Gubby, who we've also spoken to about this a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Did you get sus- uh, reported for that? No. No, I don't know. What happened? No. I think the footage was so fixed on what was going on the other side of the ground. I'm not sure with the, in those days. I don't think there was that well, many cameras that would um, pick that up. Eddie Hillgrove told us last week he, he was in that vicinity and yep. he, there must have been some... Um, snappers. Oh, photographers. Yeah, got he, got, he got done oh. by the snappers, yeah. Right. I, he think, said, I think that's right. Because yeah. he said he didn't throw a punch and then uh, Bobby Stewart, who was investigating it, said, well, hang on, we've got 300 different photos of you <laughs> at different <laughs> angles with you throwing fists left, right and centre. Bob, Bobby Stewart, that's right. I forgot about him. <laughs> Did he investigate? Yeah. Did you, were you investigated post the brawl? Uh, I was questioned, yeah. and I, I made out that I was with you on the bench. <laughs> Tim was the only one that didn't get questioned because he was nowhere to be seen. I drank no. so much. I drank so much cordial. I spent most of the second quarter in the toilets. <laughs> oh, oh, I had to get back on the ground. I hadn't had a kick, so I had to get back on the ground. Ah, uh, so that's magnificent. Uh, I knew, I knew there'd be, I knew there'd be some detail that we hadn't quite got to. So we've had Gubby, we've had Eddie, and now we've had your good self, and we've all determined that the West did a magnificent job of going nowhere near any fight at all on that fateful day. I must say, Gary, before we go, that I, uh, we, we did have to go to the boxing unit a fair bit when that was part of our training regime at Essendon, and Tim did get in the ring with uh, Rene King one day and knock him over. So I will verify that he could throw a punch, but uh, I don't know what happened in 1990. Tim knocked over, hang on a minute, you did, Tim knocked no. over Rene King in a boxing match. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, that, that's his. That's his yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Harps. Uh, very good here to join us, my friend. Hope all is well. All right. Thanks a lot. On your Harps. The great Mark Harvey there joining us. Oh, and, what uh, a character. Well, now that makes sense. It does. Yeah. Are you happy now? Can we put a full stop on that story well, now or not? Yeah, no, 100% we can. You don't want to go anywhere else with that? Well, I can't go Are anywhere. you satisfied now that you've got all angles yeah. of the 1990 quarter time brawl? In my mind, initially, I thought you were on the ground when the fight started and you just looked at it and said, I'm not going over there. Mm. Then when we spoke to Gubby and Eddie, I thought you'd gone straight to the huddle and you were just sitting on your backside. But now, <laughs> it turns out you're on the bench. <laughs> There's another story. What were you doing on the bench, the captain of the the, the grand final team? That's news to me. Yeah. The same as being captain that day was news to me when we first started talking about it. All right. All right. So there's the 1995, uh, 90, 1990 grand final all tied up in a boat. You're listening to The Rabbit Hole for tyre power. Get your free five-minute tyre safety check. You are indeed, and it's called the rabbit hole for a reason, because we don't really know where we're going, so um, we will just trot down anyone's, any of the different rabbit holes. We've talked about Tim's great love of linen, which is surprising many people, people in the studio who listen to that. They, you weren't, they didn't strike you as a, or you didn't strike them as a linen person. Well, I had to stop spending money on linen too. I just became obsessed with uh, <laughs> <laughs> the feeding. <laughs> Have you got a favourite colour of linen? Sage. I've gone for sage. Yeah, no, I like that What's too. What's yours? I've got an army green. Um, uh, wow, it looks, way too oh, much. Oh, no, it's great. Too it much. Looks, Going to bed at night. Cover in army, in army green, top sheet army green, bottom sheet army green and pillowcases in army green. Oh, that's too You know what? Well, I put my uh, fatigue, uh, army fatigues on <laughs> and you can't spot me in bed at night time. It's Susie you put them cam- on. It's- <laughs> <laughs> I love camouflaging myself before I go to sleep. Oh, dear me. <laughs> hey, we spoke this morning about Lou Richards. And it just prompted uh, some memories. Ah, oh, brings a smile to your face when you think about Louis. Louis. So, the original, the original um, uh, former player that turned into a media megastar. Like, genuine media megastar. He was a superstar. Yeah. So, he, television he was the, and he used to write in the paper. That's right. He did, He used to do uh, a radio program, too, on a Friday, 3DB radio oh, program, did too. I didn't, I didn't. If he ever got invited to that, it used to be at the old Melbourne on a Friday, so they used to record it live 
there. It's a and radio show. This was a radio program back in the day, and he would have been part of that, and uh, others. Uh, I think Ted, uh, Bobby Davis, like sort of uh, Mike Williamson, they were all there, and they would sort of interview you on a panel, and that would it's be like broadcast. A world of sports style. It was very much like that, yeah, on a, on a Friday lunchtime. Yeah, and of course, he was the main part of World of Sport, um, which was a, just, um, an institution on a Sunday here in Melbourne. Uh, you and I, yeah. both you... And I both went in there when we were playing. That was what a what a. When you grew up, mm. I did. You probably didn't grow up with it. I did because you were playing. No, I grew up with it. Did you grow up with it? Yeah, World of Sport on a Sunday. Oh, yeah. yeah, every Sunday we would sit down there and watch it. After we'd had uh, the roast, had church, then the roast, and yep. then we'd sit down the wrestling. Uh, yes. No, no, we didn't get the wrestling because I was in the country. B to V6, we didn't have it oh, on B to V6. We got the wrestling. How did you get the wrestling and to, we didn't? I used to go in there and take all the wrestling moves out of my sister. She used to, <laughs> she used to limp to the lunch table at the roast with a, with a shoulder out after I'd done a, a suplex on her. <laughs> well, you know, the other thing about Louie with, uh, you know, Louie and Tom Pryor. So Tom Pryor was a ghostwriter yep. for Louie and he was a ghostwriter for his article that used to appear in the Herald Sun once a week. So he would then go out and we'd do a feature interview once a week and it was it was like the biggest thing yeah. to be chosen by yeah you, know, you get a call maybe it happened to me once call to say look we're going to come out tomorrow and meet you on when i was a plumbing apprentice we'll meet you on the site and so he'd walk down he had these beautiful shoes and he was immaculately dressed oh, louis yeah. always wasn't he had the white when i knew him he had the white mercedes mm. and he, they reckon he just used to drive around turak at his own pace and anywhere on the, not necessarily on the left, right? Just anywhere on the road, <laughs> <laughs> people, people just got out of his road. But, but he it had, was oh, a lovely. He had lovely slacks on, oh. a nice shirt, and, and his polished wife, I think shoe. used to dress him. Yeah, yeah, yeah make, immaculate he was. But he came onto a very dirty, messy building site too. And I just remember him sort of tiptoeing up the driveway because it was very muddy, and he started complaining about. <laughs> how muddy his shoes were getting. And then him and Tommy Pryor would sort of go to work and they'd start asking you questions, take a couple, they'd have a snapper with them. So, And you're so right. Did he give you a nickname? Because he was responsible for all these. You know, when I'm talking about this, there's those that are listening who are understanding what we're saying and reminiscing. Mm. There are your younger audience that wouldn't know. So all of those famous nicknames back in the day, Rex, you might have been, Rex was next in line. Yes. So he gave, you know, uh, Mill Hannah, the cranium, all that. But Louis was the original. So the flying doormat, mm. um, the incredible Hulk. Well, him and Tommy used to work. Him and uh, Tom Pry used yeah. to workshop all Did he have one for you? The Galloping Gasoma. No, I didn't get one. I, I can't didn't get believe one. believe you didn't The get incredible one. Hulk, Renee King. Yeah. Um, uh, crazy Horse Cout. Yes. That's right. <laughs> indeed. The Flying Dutchman. The Flying Dutchman, Paul Vanderhaar. Yeah. So if you, yeah, that, that, and he was, he was bigger than any player. Lou was oh, he bigger. was massive. Yeah. He was bigger. Yeah. I did get a- You must have worked with him a lot then at night. Well, eventually I did. I did a story with him first, though. So you talk about those stories. So when I was young, we were playing Collingwood, right? Mm. I just remember this. At, we were about to play Collingwood at the MCG, and we were playing well, and Collingwood were playing well, and I was going to play on Michael Christian. Lou rings up. I want, to, I want you boys down at the MCG. I want the Christian and the Lion. Oh. So, he's, so we were in the middle of the MCG- the photographer's up in the grandstand right. and Lou's going, come on, like the Christian, you're the Christian and you're the lion. You know, so me and Michael Christian are sort of- What are you doing? Yeah, you know, with our arms up at each other like this. And that was his- Was Tommy Pryor there too? No, he wasn't, no. So um, Just Louie and a snapper? Louie and a snapper, yeah. And um, so that was the big back page lead into the you know, the game on Saturday, the Christian and the lion at the Coliseum. And you you wouldn't have – no one would have dared say no to him either, would no, they? No, it was an honour. Oh, absolutely. I was overawed. And you're right. Then I So then we did you know, World of Sports. You did, I yeah. did it, and get to go in there, and he was always great and laughing and carrying on. And then he went to nine. So Lou went from Channel 7 to Channel mm. 9, which was massive at the time. Can you remember why? Uh, yes. I can, yeah. Was it station politics and money and- All that sort of stuff. Yeah. I think there was a time there where a lot of people felt that they were underappreciated at Channel 7, right. and then Nine came along who didn't have the football, yeah, but right. they wanted to have a bigger football presence, so right. they opened the checkbook okay. up a bit yep. too. Yeah, I mean, it worked because he became part of the Sunday footy show, really big part of that when that was established. That was the precursor to the footy show, yep. the Sunday footy show with um, Mel Brown and- Max Walker. Dermot and Max yeah. hosted it. And uh, Louie. And then he did Channel 9 News too with Tony Jones. Yeah, so he and TJ had a great, you know, their relationship and friendship was unbelievable. So the news on Friday night was always Louie and TJ. 
And then I hosted the Sunday footy show and Lou was still very much a part of it and we would do Lou's handball. But we were so sort of respectful of him that, you know, whatever he wanted to do, but he, he was no longer covering footy, but he mm. would, we put a throne up in the studio. So he, he just sat on the throne and watched the show and then would come down with Bill and Billy would take him and they'd do the handball, you know, and Lou would still carry on. He'd do the same old jokes he'd been yeah. doing for a hundred years. But he used to, every now and then he'd walk across the set in front of the camera, you know, we, we just laughed. Everyone loved him and he was cheery. So I was with BT, Spud, myself, um, I'm trying to, oh, Bill, a couple others, and every Sunday morning we'd be at the old Channel 9 buildings and in the boardroom we'd have bacon and egg sandwiches and we'd all get in at 9 o'clock Sunday morning reading the papers, working out what was going on, and 10 o'clock like clockwork, Lou, you'd hear Lou walk in and he'd open the door, what's going on boys, how you going, you know, and he'd have a chat with everyone, we'd all laugh and, you know, he'd walk around and he'd grab a few sandwiches and then he'd walk off to make up and that. Yeah, one, <laughs> it's not funny, but one morning we're in there and they go, we're sitting there reading the paper and our producer, it might have been Brent Williams, somebody goes, oh, geez, um, Jack Dyer's passed away. And Lou and Jack. Mm, Captain like, Blood. Joined yeah. at the hip. And we all look at each other and they're going, so BT and Spud go, oh, you got to tell him. You, oh, this is going to be, you know, this will be awful. You tell him. I go, oh. right. So we're sitting there and, we're all bit, and Lou comes walking in and everyone just goes quiet. Yeah, hey, what's going on, boys? And I'm sitting there and go, oh, Lou, how are you? Yeah, good, good, good. I said, look, let's show some really bad news. And, um, you know, your great friend Jack Dyer's passed away. And he went, mm. where's the fucking sandwiches? <laughs> <laughs> so he just, he, he had this unbelievable way of dealing with. Well, grief. With grief. <laughs> I'd say. <laughs> That's an, extraordinary, <laughs> that's an extraordinary way to deal with the <laughs> It's not funny. Was it, well, it was. That's what older people did. Well, you. I guess they see a lot of people. <laughs> and he loved the sandwich. Can you remember what sort of sandwiches? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. But anyway, and we all looked at each other and went, "Oh, well, we're he's, over he's over that. He's over that. <laughs> Maybe on. they weren't as close as we thought they were. No, I loved him. I loved, yeah. I loved that man. He was oh. so funny. You talk about uh, you talk about media, and you and I had a great uh, a great morning on our show. Where and it doesn't always happen like this, but we had two great interviews on the same morning. Yeah, we, did. we had Nick Dacos, yes, and we had Mason Redman, yes, and they were absolutely unbelievable. And we don't always get great guests, and I think. And you and I have discussed this many times, though, and it's about the grooming process that takes place with young players. They come into the game and they get this message about, you know, making sure that you don't say anything so that, you know, the people don't pick up, the print media don't highlight anything you've yeah. got to say, you don't give any of our secrets away. But that's our fault, too. Well, par partly it is our fault, but I just wonder, you know, like, they were, they were great and they both gave... Great answers to questions. You and I weren't trying to no. yeah, get anything out of them that they didn't want to talk about or whatever, or you just like having a conversation. If you're having a great conversation, you just want it to continue on. And I just wonder whether or not, you know, like they're getting the right conversation or having the right conversation with the people at the football clubs who are trying to drain all this out of them. Like you Mason Redman. Well, I think they are. I mean, Mason Redman said this morning, you know, just honest answers around what he thought about the club last year, whether he would have stayed, all that sort of stuff. And he just gave really good, straight, honest answers. Mm. And I know you want to talk about the the, the, the training that I had when I first came down oh. from Dimboola too, because you think that this is the blueprint <laughs> for the way that clubs should be handling this sort of stuff. I think this, I think this answer should be sent around to every AFL club. This is a young Tim Watson. No, they, they treat me part as a, part as a team, but oh, they, they joke and muck around a bit about, you know, that I go, the fact that I go to school and that sometimes, you know. <laughs> See, you're given plenty. Excellent. They joke and muck around a bit, you know. <laughs> yeah, man, we went to school and that, you know. See, Excellent. Honest. Yes. Speaking from the heart. Hey, did you notice a cliche in there at all? One cliche. Give it to me once more. I have another listen. <laughs> oh, no, we don't. Yeah, no, to. I'll do it once more. 
Oh, they, they treat me part as a, part as a team, but oh, they, they joke and muck around a bit about, you know, that I go, the fact that I go to school and that sometimes, you know. Yeah, you know, they treat me as a bit. You nearly went down the cliche path. Uh, you, I pulled myself up you very went, quickly. They, you know, they treat me as one of the team, and then you pulled yourself up. <laughs> yeah. no, but I hear, I hear what you're saying. You know what I'm saying, No, I do. And they're frightened that the player's going to go in there. And, and I think they're giving them all this negativity about, don't say this, don't say this, don't say this, don't say this. This is my point. It's as our, when I say it's our fault, it's the media's fault. Because when they do say something that's a little bit uh, newsworthy, we, we go nuts on it. Maybe we don't hear it very often, therefore we make a bigger deal of it. But, for instance, Mason Redmond said, amongst other things today. He said a lot. Brad Scott's my best coach. Mm. If Brad Scott wasn't coaching, I would have left because he's a free agent who just re-signed. I would have left last year. Mm. And I but Brad be, Scott will be the next Eston Premiership coach, he Yeah, believes. and I want to be the captain. Mm. Oh, And they were all great. Now, you could build that up and say, Redmond shines light on the failings of Essendon in the past five years. Like that's how that could be. Someone could dress that up. They could, but you know what? They have failed. Yeah. So there's nothing dishonest about what he had to say. No, it's not. And I loved it. I loved every. He was single direct. Part of he was honest, and the other. He kid, wasn't mean spirited. No, not at all. Not at all. And you know, like he didn't. Um, he didn't smash his previous coach. Like he didn't say there was anything wrong with Ben Rutten. He just said that this bloke is the best coach he's yeah. had, mm. and that stands to reason too, because Brad Scott has been a coach for a lot longer than what Ben Rutten was, and he talked about the fact that you know the club wasn't operating as well it was as it should because there were factions and you know not everybody was on board and. Mm-hmm. pulling in the same direction. And then we had the other kid, like Nick Dacos, and you think, how can this kid get any better? Like we watch him play and he's just an absolute superstar mm-hmm. when he's out there. And then you listen to him talk and he was just, he, 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 he was open, but he was articulate. He gave great answers. He talked about his club. He talked about the love he has for his coach. He spoke beautifully about his mum when you asked him a question about his mum, Colleen, as well. We didn't go too much down the track with uh, talking about his old man because he's done that to death, and mm. he probably doesn't want to talk about that anyway. But he, he might be one his, out of the blocks. Though. He included his dad in there. Out of the box, not blocks. He might be just. Oh yes, he's one out of the box as a player, but he might be one out of the box as a media performer as well. Because I'll tell you another one we did with him and Josh. He's he's he spoke about his grandma had passed away, yes. Colleen's mum, and they played earlier in the year, and there was a um, rose petal. Some talk about rose petals, right? And and the message in was, oh, it's different, you know, they you know, put rose petals out for their mother or whatever. Anyway, it was a lovely story. They both played super games, and it was our game, Fox, so we interviewed them both in the middle of the ground, and after about three questions, I just said, oh, you know, really sad news with your, you know, passing your grandma, and you made a special tribute. I wasn't really sure, because it was, and they go, yeah, no, that's right, we, we put uh, uh, rose petals in our boots, and played, you know, with her in mind. And after the game, we got them out and put them in the middle of the ground. Mm. Beautiful story. Beautiful didn't, story. Didn't try and say, oh, that's none of your business. You know, that's personal. Mm. They just they just told us. And the other thing was, how well did both of those players, and the reaction was extraordinary from our listening audience too, how well did they sell the game? Yeah. And the modern day player, because often people are saying, you know, the, you know, the players are spoiled brats or whatever yeah. they might be or, you know, they're, they're too sensitive or mm. whatever. But those two, the reaction from our audience on SEN yeah. was, wow, like the game is in great hands when you've got two young kids or two young men speaking like this. The reaction was, I, as much as I try to hate Nick because he's Collingwood and he's the best player, one of the best players, I can't. Mm. And the same with, with Mason. And then you had reactions from your partner and your daughters who um, like footy but aren't, you know, wedded on. And I had contact from you know, people at other clubs, you know, senior people mm. at other clubs texting me saying, what about that kid? And what about those two blokes? So, And yeah. the point that you made post that was a great point, and that was that uh, maybe football club people should get hold, a hold of that. It, it, it wouldn't be the worst thing to do to sit some of your players down and say, have a listen to this. Yes. Not, not the questions we asked, because I don't think that had anything to do with it. It, was the, it was the way that they presented themselves and the way that they answered the questions. But have them sit down and say, look, you know, you can have these conversations exactly. with people. 
And the other great thing is that Mason Redman uh, came into the program, and that's the other great thing when you get a guest, a young player who you don't know particularly well. I don't know him particularly well. I've seen him and I've said hello to him previously, and you don't know him particularly well, though. He, he was very familiar with you. He started calling you Gaz, mm. um, which was nice. I love. Yep. And then, you know, eye-to-eye contact, yeah, no, uh, have a chat, sit down. When you're in the room with people, it's different. It makes it? a difference, doesn't it? Because you have a chat before the interview starts, and then they get a sense that, oh, these two blokes aren't here to trip me up or ask me something. Mm. That, you know, they just want to have a chat. Yeah, we're just really interested and curious about you and the way you think about so the what's game. So what's the answer? What's, what's, I know what your point is, but what is the answer to this? Are we, should we – I think, I think there's, the, I think there's a directive that takes place in football clubs. To who? Media managers. Well, I think it often is really strong-willed and minded coaches at football clubs who are trying to control, micromanage, every, and micromanage everything. Let go, and they make everybody frightened about sitting down and having an interview. That's your message, yeah. Let them go. They're men. They're young men. Let them go. Well, you would hope that by the time they get into football, that they are actually have been versed in conversation and answering questions. Yeah. And it's not about that they're giving away the IP of the football club. There was not one thing about what Dacos or Redmond had to say this morning that a football club would be care- would be caring about now is in terms of them being unravelling their own football club by divulging too much. No, and this is at a time when the NRL are withdrawing their services to the media as part of their collective bargaining negotiation. Mm. And in the end, if the players, they don't have to give anything, right? They, they, they're obliged to do certain things. But then how much they give themselves is entirely up to them. But the bottom line is if in the end the the broadcasters work out they don't need the players, like the NRL, is it going to really be a game changer if they don't interview the bloke after the game? No, it won't be. Not one bit. So in the end they'll lose some leverage mm. if the, the broadcasters go, well, you know what, that, for that six-week period where you wouldn't let us do an interview pre, post or half-time, our numbers actually went up. So they don't really need you that much. So it can work against them. Yeah, it hasn't had a ne- negative effect on us at all. And just as we go down this rabbit hole, like Craig McRae as a coach, yes, he is so different than anybody we've ever seen before. Like he has a completely different view of the game, I think. And, you know, we've seen vulnerability in coaching and that type of thing, and that's become a real buzzword about the way they present themselves to the players. I'm sure he's all of that. But there's something more about him and the way that he sees the game that the modern-day player attaches itself and really understands to. And not only that, I think he's – I said this today. I think he's going to – the legacy he will leave in time, I think we will look back – he will be transformational in in how he approaches things as a senior coach because we've watched them all evolve over time, mm-hmm. right, from the – Tony Jules going off their nuts to Ron Barassi snarling and screaming to, to Alan Jeans in his own inimitable way to John Kennedy to, to Lee Matthews. He's he's walked in. He's the most normal, mm. normal coach that I've ever come across, right? When I see him walk into a post-game press conference and shake hands with the media, <laughs> did you see that vision? Yep. And then... I've run into That's him. disarming for people too I when run, he does it. Yeah, but I don't think he does it as a no. It's not tactic. a deli- no. It's not a deliberate act. No. And I walk into him at um, so I, I see him at Fox because he's part of the you know the coaches come on for three sixty, which is after our Monday night show. So I walk into the green room and run into all the coaches, right? Which is great. And I walked in the other day and I was getting you know, makeup off or whatever, and he walked in, Craig McRae. And walked up to the makeup lady and goes, "Oh, Lauren, is it?" Like before he said hello to any of us, mm. he walked into the makeup room. I didn't know, half the time. I don't even know, like I'm shocking with names. The first thing he did was walk in and just go, "Oh, hi, Lauren." How he knew her name? Well, he would have met her previously. That's why. No, no. I reckon he would have said to Nadine or whoever, "Tell me who the." I'll go. I've got to get makeup mm. on Monday. Can you find me the name of the makeup lady? And that's the level of detail that he goes to. I think he's going to be transformational for coaches because if you don't, everyone's different, but if you don't have that modicum of respect that they have, and I'm mm. not saying coaches don't, but coaches can get so caught up in their own sort of they forget about that. And I understand that. I'd probably be like that, but he's not. And he's on top of the ladder.
There might be a lot of people listening to this be saying, yeah, I know he can be like that because they're winning all the time. Yeah. What's he going to be like when the wheel turns? And inevitably it does in this game and you get yourself in a hole and a patch where you're not winning games week after week and all of a sudden the pressure comes to bear from outside, from inside. Yeah. Is he going to be the same coach then? Now, we haven't seen that, so we don't know. No. But what we do know is that he's seen football from all sides in the build-up to him ultimately getting the head coaching job. Like, he's been around forever. Mm. And that, according to the guys who played alongside him at the Brisbane line, is his personality. That's that, that's why they called him Fly. Yep. That's the type of person he is. Now, he will get tested at some stage, way beyond what he's been tested now personally, because that pressure and that stress that's associated with losing comes to and visits every coach from time to time. I'm really confident, though, that he'll stay true to what he's presented to us as a coach for the last two years. I'm really confident, irrespective of what happens, that he will maintain that that demeanour. And not everyone – I can't. You, you try to, but in whatever you're doing in life, to try yeah. and maintain that, I, I think he will. That's why I think he's going to be different. You think of all the senior coaches in footy today. Mm. The other Adam Simpson is a little bit like that, but he didn't quite have the or hasn't had the charisma and the connection. I don't think this is just me, but yeah. in terms of staying very level, Chris Scott's had it. Like oh, he's yeah. got the best winning no. record of any current day coach. And I, you and I both love him, but he's got a he's, there's an edge. He's a seething edge to Chris Scott. <laughs> a seething edge to Chris Scott, which is part of his makeup and personality. So, and do you think we would have seen more of that had they not had the success that they've had? Do you think he hasn't? Who, with just, Chris? Yeah. Do you think he's not been tested? Oh in that no, area? I've seen it for sure, hundred percent. He's he's got this. What like, the claws came out? Oh yeah, and he does it in a way that you look at it and go, oh jeez. <laughs> and and Brooksy's nodding his head because he's he looks after all of the footy for us at SEN and. That's exactly what he is. I love. I really love Chris Scott, but, mm. he, but he's got a much snarkier edge than <laughs> Craig McRae ever has. Um, how long have we been going? Forty-three minutes. How long you want to go for today, Wisp? Not got much anything, longer. Got anything? You got no, to do? not much longer. I think we're just about there. I think you wanted to. We, we need to talk about farming a little bit oh, uh, because uh, right the now. tips that we provide each and every week about farming are something that uh, I know people set their watches by. But I don't know what it's like where you got your place, but up in the Golden Valley where there's a lot of farming, a lot of orchards, a lot of crops that get mm. planted around this time. I do know for a fact they all hang out for this, and sometimes they won't go to a particular job until they have a listen to it. It's time to talk farming for Kubota. For over 40 years, Kubota's been making tomorrow matter, shaping and building Australia together. Have you got a favourite manure? That's the question I wanted to pose this morning. A favourite manure because... For what purpose? Well, for composting and oh. putting around your trees. It's a good time of the year to be doing that. I've only got access to kangaroo manure at the moment. How do you find that? Small. Little pallets. Right. Not the big, large chunk that I thought count. you might say you find that by walking around the paddocks and picking it up. <laughs> what, what manure are you rolling with? Oh, I've got this great mix. What? An unbelievable mix. It's a combination of chook, sheep... And chicken. Chook. And sorry, chook, sheep, and cow manure. You're doing a hybrid mix. It's a hybrid mix. How yeah. big's a chook poo? Uh, like little little what? little bits of How are you uh, connecting that? How are you collecting that? Uh, with a shovel. Uh, there's a couple of- You haven't got chooks. No, no. But there are people in the country that'll have the bags outside their property. Yeah, they're sure. waiting. And you just go, it's a- on a you system. can't just pinch them. No, no. It's an honest system. You leave some you cash. You told me you don't have any cash. No, Susie picks it up, oh. and she's always got some cash. Sounds so like you've been pinching poo. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. So at you all. what? You go and get some chicken? No, no. They already mix it. It's like a premix. A premix. Or if you don't get the premix one, which is the premium, Ooh. might be around a twelve bucker. If you don't get that one, then you can buy them separately, and then you just pour them into your wheelbarrow and just mix it up yourself. Oh, oh the vines love it, and you should see the worms. I've never, ever seen you worms. You talked about this last like, week in the middle of your rolled up hay. Yeah, exactly. That's the other, Well, that can happen like that. Do you like mix that. that into your premix? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. It's a combination. And so uh, give me the you, poo. Should, you know, you can almost see when this goes on the vines, yeah. the Fiano vines down there. I know this sounds crazy, mm. but you can almost see the vine Smile. looking over at you and smiling. 
and giving you sort of like a little wink of acknowledgement. Mm, that's even getting me tasty. Like I feel like I need a taste of that. So give us the mix. The mix is chicken. Mm. What mix though? Sheep. What ratio? Third, third, third. Third. What about the other ten percent? Oh, third, third, third. Sorry. I thought you meant 30%, 30%, 30%. And then a little bit of the special stuff, which is the, the hay. hay bale I think stuff. it's a 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 10. 30, 30, 30, 10. Yes. And uh, you won't go wrong. You will not go wrong. You can thank me later. Just And then do you mix that with a bit of uh, soil? No. What, just that? Just that, pure mix. You have to get a few bags of that. Oh, no, a lot of bags. How many bags? Well, a lot of bags. It's a sort 12 of like, buck a bag. Yeah, I know. It's, uh, it's like a bag of row. I've got 40 vines in each row. I've got 10 rows, so it's a bag of row. That's 480 bucks. Yeah, I know, but if I you want- I don't think you paid 480 bucks for, for poo. If you want a good product, then you've got to go for the good manure. Well, there's your farming tip right there. A right nice there. 30, 30, 30, 10 mix. No chemicals in that. <laughs> well, let's get to a few quick fire rabbit holes to finish off what's been a highly entertaining. The 30, 30, 30, 10 mix. Could you, you can make that into the Wisp special and brand it. Could, yep. Could. Why don't we do that? I'd like to keep it a bit more of a secret than that. Why don't though. we do that, though? Yeah, we, no, it's a great idea. And we it can is a great sell idea. them. How yeah. do I get a piece of that? Um, simply by asking, yeah. I'd be happy to, to cut share the spoils of that. Where do I fit into the 30, 30, 30, 10? Uh, you're a three and a half. What about a 30, 30, 30, five and five? What's with a bit the of five? kangaroo? I've never known anybody to suggest kangaroo. I'm, I'm sure it's fine. Point of difference. Because what do they eat? They eat grass, don't they? So it would be organic. Of course they eat grass. Well, they don't eat meat, so it would yes. be organic, yeah. Yes. Mm. That could be a point of difference. It could be. It could be. Right, uh, quick fire rabbit holes to finish off uh, the day. It's been great. The English media for me, there's mm. a rabbit hole that I'm not going too deep into. We are- just Sour pushes they are. We are in the ashes, 2-1 up, by the way, for Piers Morgan. I know he listens to the rabbit hole. Mm. Michael Vaughan might listen to the rabbit hole. Mike Atherton might listen to the rabbit hole. Mm. The series at the moment is 2-1 in Australia's favour. And what's the message then to the English Blow press? Blow it out your ass. That's <laughs> <laughs> Pretty simple, Tim. They're carrying on like they've, that they've would been. Be your, that would be your time to talk about, um, um, yeah, blowing it out your backside would be the time to talk about. Manure. No. What? Bore it. <laughs> it would be like a what? Like a. Oh, a hungry dog or dog's – I can't remember what it was. Not a wizard's sleeve, anyway. It's a hungry dog's mouth. I'll get Sam Evan in. But, but anyway. Was it a hungry dog or a thirsty dog? Thirsty dog. They're, yeah. Whatever it was. They're, they're whinging like they've been yeah. – Get like over They've it. had the urn just snatched after they've led like, – No, you're lost. You're behind. You're 2-1 behind. Yes. And you can't keep the ashes because the draw gives them to us anyway. So suck it up. That's right. Whinging. Wankers. That's right. Had they been watching Channel 7 News and seen Jane Bunn's weather forecast, they would have known the rain was coming in Manchester. Yeah. So I know it's a bit predictable, but I mean, God help me. If we win, the fifth test starts on Thursday. We win that. We win the Series 3-1 and it's a belting. Absolute smashing. Um, Oppie, the movie, yeah, you went saw, saw Oppenheimer. Yep. And what did you think? Go and watch it. Yeah. Go and watch it. It's, it's an historical recount um, of... One of the biggest moments in history. I know and you thought it was a musical. Um, it's not that. It's more serious than <laughs> no, that, isn't it? Pretty, it's pretty intense. Um, it's a pretty intense movie. I, I feel like I like going to the movies. I feel like I, I don't want to really go and learn stuff at the movie. I just want to go and be entertained. Now, this entertained me through educating me as well. Yeah. Not normally what I like to do. I'd rather, rather go and watch the Zohan or something like that. I know you would. But uh, your record at predicting those that would win Academy Awards for Best Act has been unbelievable yes. over the last 10, 15 years. I've only uh, missed once. Killian uh, Murphy. Measure him up. Yeah, measure him up already? Yeah, measure him up. He was superb. Superb performance from the Peaky Blinder Man. What did you like about him? I love the way that he survived on a diet of cigarettes and coffee for three months. In preparation. In preparation. Mm. You know who else does that? Christian Bale. Christian Bale's yeah. body transforms. It's and like it, a yo-yo. Yeah, but couldn't be good for you. And Matt Damon was in it. He looked like he went the other way. So mm. he deliberately put on weight because he would played the big general. Mm. Great actors. Great cast. Oh, no, it's a great, it's a great cast. cast. Unbelievable cast. Um, I'm looking at you now. You don't need this, by the way, but we had a story a couple of nights ago on the news about uh, Botox injectables. Is that something that you've thought of or not? Yep. 
around the eyes. Yep. You're a bit puffy around the eye. Do you reckon no, that it's not for that? puff. I don't know for puffy. It's for wrinkles, isn't it? Yeah, it's for wrinkles. But if you puffed up your puffiness, then your puffiness would disappear. In your eyes. If you blew, eyes. Yeah, if you blew that up enough, yeah. And you got I a couple. Of, you got a couple of. If you don't mind me saying, you got a couple of creases. <laughs> I don't mind me saying. I don't. Honestly. You got a couple of creases no, there that could be them. filled. In. No, I'm leaving them. I'm leaving them. <laughs> for how long? Actually, are you gonna, no. how long are you going to leave them though? Before well, you actually, because there are people that you work alongside who I've been told reliably have got to the injectables ahead of you. Who name names? I'm not going to name any. You names. said Dermot had them. No, I didn't. I didn't. Yeah. No, I didn't. You oh. said that. Your laugh lines, by the way, when you when you laugh, they go down your knees. Your laugh lines. That's character. I like it. That is a character. I won't be getting Botox. I wear every one of those. I, I, I do a little- I use You'll it, never get Botox. I use a bit of the old, uh, as you like to call it. Right. The scrotum cream. Yes. But, um, is that working? Well, it was, but I've run out. <laughs> so I don't out. think it is. You've got a ball under each eye now. <laughs> well, there you go. That's what it is. That's what it is. Uh, people, I did have a uh, an email. This is from George from Georgetown. He said, why does Gary dislike music so much? Oh, well, this is what we're going to finish the podcast on today because you did pre-warn me about this question. Um, I I'm not a music person at all. In fact, I've only ever bought two Albums? CDs, they were. Uh, so I didn't buy an album as a youngster. I bought Meatloaf's Bat Out of Hell and I bought Paolo Nettini's, um record. So I never – anyway, this is the reason is I never listened to music. And I wonder – so my question to you is how did you – because you like music. Yeah, I love did, music. How, when did you start liking Oh, when I was a kid. I was a kid. We got a, a little uh, record player for Christmas between the five kids uh, one particular year. Santa was very kind to us. And we also got a record, a vinyl record each. Yeah. My sister I got, got Blood, it. Sweat and Tears in case you were going to ask me what, what is the that? record was. Well, that was the name of the band, Blood, Sweat and Tears. Yeah, by who? Yeah, by that was the band. Blood, Sweat and oh, Tears was the, the band. No, that wasn't. Um, I think, them. I think what, they're one of the biggest hits well, was Spinning, Bo- spinning Wheel. They had Dim Bullum group or something. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, they were big on the world stage, if you don't I mind. I remember my sister getting Screamer 76. That would have been all the hits. Yeah. Yeah. And it was on a woman's backside. It was on the album cover. But anyway. Right. I didn't, so I never really liked it. And then when I got a car, like I. What did you listen to in the car then? If you weren't listening to Bruce music. and Phil. <laughs> As a twelve-year-old, I was listening to a bit of AW. <laughs> no, I never listened to the radio. <laughs> That's and then when I got my license, I found that I would get a bit of a headache when the music was on. Like right. I just didn't like. I didn't understand. I couldn't hear the. I couldn't understand the lyrics. Right. I didn't know what they were talking about. Right. So I just refused to listen to music. <laughs> That's completely understandable. <laughs> This has been The Rabbit Hole with Gary Lyon and Tim Watson for Tyre Power, Australia's biggest independent tyre retailer. Keeping you safe on the roads, tyrepower.com.au. Tune in to 1116SEN each Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday from 6 to 9am to hear SEN Breakfast with Gary and Tim.